All right. Hey, good morning, everybody. So glad to see you guys this morning here at New Life Church. Exciting day. We're going to be water baptizing some people here shortly. So that's awesome. We should thank God for that. It's a sign of new life, sign of people following Jesus. And that, that's a good thing for us, a good thing. So listen, let me invite you to open up the Word of God. We're going to we're going to read a scripture from three different uh, books today, and it will also be on the screen behind me up on stage. Daniel chapter 11, Romans chapter 1, and 2 Timothy chapter 3. So Daniel chapter 11, Romans chapter 1, and then 2 Timothy chapter 3. Um, I had originally planned and, and uh, was going to be teaching and preaching on one of our core values here at our church. We have six core values. We put that under the umbrella of a, of a series called Evaluate. We have covered three of those core values so far this year. Uh, Discipleship-driven, uh, the Great Commission, and uh, Kingdom-minded. And I was going to do one today called Stewardship-guided, and we like to sprinkle these particular values kind of in the first half of the of the new year and of the year but um through some through prayer and through some different conversations of different folks over the last week or two the lord kind of brought me back to a little statement i wrote down uh, a couple of weeks ago called strong saints in tough times and i just jotted that down just kind of kind of popped in my mind and it hadn't hasn't left me and i thought well i'll go visit that and pray on that some more and maybe later in the year i'll maybe have that opportunity to preach on it, but I just felt really impressed to go ahead and do that today. And so, um, so this week, uh, the Lord kind of flipped the script and gave me a message that I've titled Strong Saints in Tough Times. And the title comes from these three verses here, Daniel chapter 11, verse 32, the second half of that verse. This coming in at a time when Daniel had, and, his, and, and the people of God had been taken captive in Babylon and they had been serving there and been under the rule and reign of the Babylonians and it was a, certainly a tough time. And he, he says the, these words, he says, The people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. That particular verse was a theme verse for me when I was in youth group, when I was just actually getting into the internship of youth ministry I had approached my youth pastor and asked him, hey, this verse is one you've preached on a lot and it's really resonated within me and a lot of the other uh, young people. Do you think we can maybe put this on a, on a banner type thing and put that in front of our youth group every week when they come into the youth room? And he was like, absolutely, make it happen. And so we did. We put that, uh, that particular verse in front of our young people every week. The people who know their God, not know about him, but know him, have an established point of contact relationship with him, will be strong, and they will carry out great exploits. I don't know about you, but I'm trying to, for myself, lead a life and lead a congregation to where we are people who do that. We are people who know God, and we are, as a result, we are strong for him, and we're actually doing great things for the kingdom of God. And so Daniel declared that in the midst of a tough time, bringing the reminder back to, hey, if we're going to ever get through this, we got to come down to really do we know our God. 
The next verse, Romans 1, Paul writes this. He says, to all who are in Rome, it's verse 7, Beloved of God, called to be saints. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Called to be saints. Obviously, this was written uh, before sainthood was recognized. Uh, and so his, his intention and the implication of writing and using the word saint is not so that one day you could be like St. Paul, St. Peter, St. Francis, St. Thomas, or whoever, saint. The idea is not about the accomplishment as much as it is about the possession of who is in your life and how you then live your life. And he says you are called to belong to God. That's what sainthood means. Saints means called to belong to a holy God. And, he, and then um, 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul writes this again. And he said, you should know this, Timothy, and you can underline Timothy and put our name as well, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. So strong saints, tough times. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you and we are thankful for your presence. Lord, and we're thankful that here in a little bit we're going to get to water baptize people and just a display of the, it's an outward act based on an inward work. And so, Lord, I thank you that you're doing inward work in all of us. And we just pray today as we get into your word, truly, it would not just be a sermon, it would be a message from heaven that would stir our souls. Oh God, and it would strengthen our faith. And Lord, it would continue, it would build unity across the congregation. And your love would grow in our life so that we can be strong and do what you've called each of us to do. I give you myself now, Holy Spirit, flow through me and speak what you want, not what I want. In Jesus' name, and you can say amen. And amen. To kind of kick this off, I thought I would kind of revisit a few of our Old Testament saints, if you will. Moses. Moses, he had a stammering tongue, yet he possessed stamina to stand up to Pharaoh. He had a short temper, yet he was long-suffering with Israel to lead them ultimately to deliverance. How about Rahab? This one always gets me every single time. Rahab was a prostitute who protected two Israelite spies. And yet, somehow, God preserved her life, and she ended up, if I have my genealogy correct, becoming the great-great-grandparent of King David. How about that? That's pretty cool. God used a prostitute to save his people. Gideon, he was the weak, from the weakest tribe and the least in his family, and yet... He defeated thousands of Midianites with only 300 men. Now, his army started out with 22,000, but God whittled it down to 300 just so Gideon wouldn't get the big head and just to show how big God really is. You know, sometimes God does that in our life. He allows the odds to be stacked against us only to come through and to show himself strong and mighty. David. Youngest and smallest in his family, shepherd to his father's sheep, yet he became a sharpshooter with a slingshot and a shepherd to God's people when he stood up to a giant and he lifted Israel from their despair. How about that? Nehemiah, 
He resisted temptations of distractions. He ignored the intimidation tactics of others. And he stayed focused and determined to finish what God had called him to start. Nehemiah was a saint. Esther. I only have 25 of these, okay? I'm joking, I have seven. Esther, she took a leap of faith when she, when she stood up and invited herself into the presence of the king, which could have led to her death, because if you were uninvited to come into the king's presence, and if he didn't raise his golden scepter, then that meant your life was over. So she literally took a leap of faith by standing up in front of the king, and as a result, saved her people and popularized the verse that we quote so much today for such a time as this. That verse became real, and it's real to us because someone stood up in the midst of a tough time. How about these? Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Ring a bell? How about their other names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Those we quote more often than their Hebrew names. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They refused, these were with Daniel at the time, they refused to worship the idols. And as a result, they were thrown into a fiery furnace that was heated seven times hotter than normal. It was so hot that the guys in the king's army who put them, who put them in the fire, they were killed. Some of them were killed because the flame and the heat was so intense. They were thrown into the fire, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, thrown into the fiery furnace. Keep in mind, God preserved them. The king seeing them and seeing a fourth, what appeared to be a fourth image in the fire, and he said, as the Son of God, called them out of the fire, they were not burned and they were not singed. That's crazy. All of these people had to stand strong in tough times. Now, if you're like me, you might be thinking, well, I'm not Moses. I am not Gideon. And hopefully you're not Rahab. If you are, God can still use your life. Hopefully, I'm not Nehemiah. I'm not David. I, I'm not any of these people. Here's the thing, God's not calling any of us to be them. He used their life as examples for us today. He used their life as examples for us today so that we can draw strength and faith and hope and understanding that it's not about all the accomplishments that those Old Testament saints did. It was really about what they possessed inside of them that made them strong. In a tough time. And so with the remaining part of my time today, I want to I highlight just four traits. There's many traits here about these guys but, and ladies, but I just want to highlight four traits of strong saints. Four traits of strong saints. You ready? Are you ready? Okay. All right. Number one strong, uh, trait of a strong saint. They were human yet humble. Human yet humble. Look at this in Ephesians chapter 6. It's in the Passion Translation. It says, a final word, be strong in the Lord 
and in his mighty power. Do you have, is this, is, is this the, uh, this is not the Passion Translation. Yes, we do. We sure do. Give me my phone. Because I got to use this translation. Can you pretend like this didn't happen? Can you hold on just a second? All right, Ephesians 6, 10, Passion Translation. It says, now, my beloved ones, I have saved these most important truths for last. It says, be supernaturally, check this out, be supernaturally infused with strength. See, that's why I had to use this translation. Be supernaturally infused with strength through your life. Through your life union with the Lord Jesus. Stand victorious with the force of his explosive power flowing in and through you. That is what these humans in the Old Testament and what in the New Testament as well had in their life that made the difference. They were human, yet they were humble. And the way they had supernatural infusion of strength happen was because of their humility. If we know anything about God, he gives grace to the humble. 1 Peter 5 tells us that. That he opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. These guys were not superheroes. They all had weaknesses, just like all of us. God does not call us to be a superhero. He calls us to be human with his supernatural power in our life. That is a pouring out, and that is an attachment of his promise and his covenant with his people that he gives his power to flow in our life but humility brings God's grace grace is such an interesting word I, I, I def, took the liberty of kind of defining it along with the tra passion translation this way grace is supernatural infusion of strength to accomplish the natural terrain of life if there's anything we know about life life is unpredictable life is full of surprises Good, bad, and ugly, all the way around. And then in, in terrain, it can be rough one day and smooth the next. It could, be, it could be tumultuous for a season and then just as peaceful for another season. But the thing that you and I need in order to stand strong in tough times is not to try to be proud and to pretend that everything is okay, but to acknowledge to God and confess to the Lord, hey God, this whole thing right now is freaking me out. This whole scenario, this whole so story, this whole situation that I'm a part of or that I'm going through or that my friends or my brothers and sisters in Christ are going through, this is a scary ordeal. This is a thing that's hard to attach descriptive words to. You see, when we get humble like that, that's when we, that's when we discover the power and the strength, the grace of God in our life. It's not pretending that you're going to be strong. It's not pretending that you know all the answers. It's not pretending that it doesn't bother you because let's just get real. Life does bother us. And the world needs to see that, the, that this life bothers us, but the thing that, that is great in us in the midst of something bothering us is the supernatural infusion of the strength of God. How did you make it through? Anybody ever ask you that? But God, God's grace, his grace is that supernatural infusion of strength that allows us to 
navigate and, and endure the natural terrain of life. A trait of a strong saint is we recognize we are human, but we must remain humble if we're going to have the help of God in our life. Number two, second trait of a strong saint. They fear God, not man. Fear God, not man. Check out Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race of God, the race God has set before us. Keep going. Supposed to be through verse three. Let me let me turn to it and read it off off my pages. It says we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. Go back to this part. He says, let us run this race with endurance. And we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. People who fear God and not man keep their focus not on others but on Jesus. People who fear God don't focus about everyone else. They focus on Jesus himself. I like to I put it this way. People who fear God by focusing on Jesus, first of all, they revere him first, last and everywhere in between. So no matter where, I love what Rusty shared earlier, no matter where you've been and where God is calling you forward, God's been there and God has been there. He is there in the past and he is there in the future. And, and people who fear God revere him first, last, and everywhere in between. You worship him no matter where you are. Because you fear him, and I say it this way as well, they recognize him. People who fear God recognize God as creator and sustainer of life. And they refer to him for all things in this life. People who fear God revere him, they recognize him, and they refer to him for all things in life. I'm, I'm just amazed at some things that, that I have encountered over the last... Uh, 21 years of full-time ministry and conversations with people and situations with people that, I, I, and, and, I'm not, and I'm not making a judgment here, I'm just making an observation that the, the question is, man, do you fear God? Do you really fear God? Why would you allow yourself to do what you're doing? Why would you go that route? Do you fear that God is the author and the finisher? That he is the creator and the sustainer of life? And, and, and folks, as Christians, this must be the calling card in our life. This must be what is in our back pocket every day. This will, this will keep us. If we fear God and not man, we will not go down the treacherous road that so many saints have gone down before. We must understand that God does have a higher standard than us. We must recognize that God calls us to a life of holiness, not religion, do not mix the two up. Do not mix the two up. Please don't mix the two up. They are not the same. They are not the same. They are not the same. St 
strong saints fear God, and they don't fear man. They care more about what God thinks than what any other person thinks. That means they refer to him for all things in life. So before any big decision, before jumping into a relationship, before accepting a job offer, before moving, before going to a church somewhere and committing yourself there, before any big thing, you should refer to God. Ask him what he thinks. I'm amazed at people who already have their mind up and they come and ask for a pastoral blessing about something. And it doesn't matter what I, what I say because they've already made their mind up. They just want me to agree with them. And when I don't agree with them, then the relationship's over. They think I don't care. They don't think I love them. They don't think I want God's best for them. There could be so many relationships and marriages and families restored and kept preserved if people would just stop and actually ask God, what do you think? We live in a world where everybody cares. So many people care about what Facebook thinks, about what Instagram thinks, about what Snapchat thinks, about what whoever else thinks. And we seldom refer to what does God think. Amen. Number three, trait of a strong saint is they faithfully persist when facing persecution. They faithfully persist when facing persecution. 2 Timothy 3, check this out. You, Timothy, you certainly know what I teach, how I live, what my purpose in life is. This is Paul speaking. You know my faith, you know my patience, my love, and my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, but the Lord rescued me from all of it. Keep going. Verse 12. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Verse 14, but you must remain faithful. You must remain faithful. Strong saints in tough times have this trait of somehow being able to remain faithfully persistent in the midst of persecution. Persecution, no matter what it might be. I have put together what I call the DNA of those who are faithfully persistent. D, don't quit on God or his calling in your life. N, never doubt God's ability. A, always come around to doing things God's way. Those who faithfully persist when facing persecution, they don't never always. They don't never always. I fail English every time when I say it that way, but in life it works that way. Don't Quit on God or your calling when you're facing difficult days. 
Because God's value on you, and you are valuable to him, that seems to be the theme today, James, that God loves you so much, don't quit on God when hell is against you. Don't quit. Because you will not remain in that place forever. Tough times come, tough times go. There is a time stamp on seasons. Never doubt God's ability, even when it looks like it's over. Never doubt God's ability to come through for you. Never doubt it. Never doubt it. And always come around to doing things God's way. Oh, you, you, you might lose your step here or there. You might, you might detour to the left or right here and there occasionally. Always come back around to doing things God's way, which is why, saints, we need to practice long-suffering with one another. Doesn't mean that when someone errs and gets off track that you completely write them off. You pray for them. You try to encourage them. You try to be there with for them. But give them time and give God time to work. There are some things in our life that, that all... that that sometimes they don't look like they're on the right track. They don't look like they're going to be where they need to be. But give God time to sort it out, work it through. These people are just excusing themselves to get ready for baptism. That's all. They're not mad at me, I promise you. <laughs> like, you preached on that? I'm out of here. Always come around to doing things God's way. Number four, last trait of a strong saint. is they take ownership of their purpose from God. You look through all the few, just very few Old Testament saints there that I, that I highlighted at the beginning. Every one of them took ownership of their purpose from God. Check this out, 2 Thessalonians 3 and then Galatians 6. It says, as for the rest of you, dear brothers and sisters, never get tired of doing good. In Galatians 6, 9. Tells us, let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. People who take ownership of their purpose from God, they take what God gives them. They make it their own, and they pour their heart and their soul and their life into what God has called them to do. Whether that be a, a, a marriage, you put your everything into it. Whether that be your job at the moment, you put everything into it. Whether that be your church, you put everything into it. Wherever God has you according to his purpose. Now, I'm not referring to anything any of us just want to do. I'm talking about what God has for us to do, that we take ownership of that purpose. We take ownership of that purpose. And if we do that, we put our heart and our soul into it, then we won't stop doing the good that God has for us. I call it the ABCs of ownership. A, don't settle for accentuations from people when you can get affirmation from God. If you live your life 
always needing to have an acknowledgement from a person in order to feel good about what you're doing for God, you're doing it for the wrong people and the wrong reason. Don't live your life, please don't live your life begging and pleading for the accentuations of others when you can really get the greatest applause that really counts, and that is the affirmation of God. doesn't mean God doesn't use others to encourage. It does not mean God won't use other people to say, man, that was awesome, you did great, you did it well, you represented God well, you spoke to me, you helped me, you encouraged me. All of those different things happen and should happen throughout and around the body of Christ, absolutely. But here's the thing, don't let your motive be to settle for that alone from a crowd when we're called to worship the audience of one. And that is Jesus. Care more about his affirmation on your life. I can't tell you, I used to be trapped in a cycle where after I preached, I had to have somebody tell me I did a good job in order for me to feel good about it. I might be the lead pastor, but I got to tell you, I have some low moments sometimes. And sometimes, I'm not fishing for compliments by saying this, please, I'm not manipulating the situation. But the Lord really challenged me and said, stop begging for somebody to tell you you did a good job. And just wait for my still, small voice to rise up within you. Whether you think you did good or you didn't do good, I'm there with you. And I got to tell you, that, that, that has really changed a whole lot of things about my demeanor after a Sunday or a Wednesday or any other service I may preach at. Now, it doesn't mean I don't need you to tell me that or any of that. I'm not saying that or want that. I'm just letting you know, if you're an encourager, keep encouraging. But what I'm getting at is let's not settle for the accentuations of people when you can get confirmation from God himself. B, don't blame or belittle others. We're talking about taking ownership of the purpose that God has you a part of. Don't blame or belittle other people. If you're doing what God has called you to do and you're where God wants you to, to be, then don't blame other people for where you're at or don't belittle other people so that you can get more. The world works that way. The world is full of that, full of blame and full of belittling just so people can get ahead, just so people can get acknowledged. But God's kingdom does not work that way at all. If we're going to take ownership of what God has for us, and we're going to be a strong saint in a tough time, we don't need to be blaming others for where we're at, where we're going, and what we're doing. Are we hooked into what God has for us? If so, then let's be confident in that and in that alone. C, ABC of ownership, C, don't compare or compete with others. Don't compare or compete with others. Do not think you have to try to be like somebody else to have what somebody else has. Don't compare your marriage to somebody else's marriage. Don't compare your socioeconomic status to someone else's Benjamins in their pocket. Don't try to compete with whatever else someone has. You'll end up hurting yourself in the long run. Take ownership of your purpose with God. 
And don't try to compare where, where you're at and what you have with somebody else. One, you don't know the struggles that everybody else has been in. You don't know what they've been through to have what they have. One, you don't, part of that, you don't know if they were ethical in getting it, or two, if they lied to achieve it. And so all we see is the outside. We don't know what happened truly on the inside. And so don't get caught up thinking you've got to have that degree to be like them. You've got to have this education to be like them. Or you've got to have this, or you gotta have this job to have this. You've got to have this house or this car or this whatever to be like them. Friends, let me tell you, if I got caught up in that, we would not be having church in a gymnasium. And, that, and I can't tell you how many times I have been tempted, like Nehemiah, to stop focusing on where we're at so that I can go and entertain something else. And I got to tell you, those, those times of temptation sometimes are not easy to deal with. When I see other pastors have greater, grandiose buildings than we have. They have better seating, better heating, better air. They don't have makeshift walls for a sanctuary. But we also don't have mortgage payments to make as well. Thank God. I don't say that to say we're going to be here forever. Because I don't think my heart can take it. And I don't think some of our volunteers can endure it. By the way, we've got to break down after today, okay? So just letting you know. But we're going to end on a high note. We've got a hot tub that we rent out by the hour. No, I'm kidding. I'm teasing. We're going to baptize here in just a moment. If those who are getting baptized have not already excused yourself to go get changed, this would be a great time for you to do that. If you have, awesome. Strong saints in tough times. We all face tough times. All of us. And God wants to see his people laugh. God wants to see his people endure. God wants to see his people overcome. And we have to recognize it's not about all the great accomplishments that get God's attention. It's about possessing the right type of character and spiritual traits that would enable us from within to withstand those pressures from without. And and friends, that's some of the hardest things to learn sometimes, is to try to get the understanding that in the midst of this intense pressure and squeezing and difficulty, God is actually growing and being bigger and getting bigger on the inside of us. Friends, I I tell you, life, I didn't tell you that's how it works. I like to tell you, no, it doesn't work. It's all the op. No, but it works from within. Your strength comes from within, not yourself. Your strength comes from the Spirit of Jesus. And the way we tap into that strength is we try to live and acknowledge and be a humble person to recognize I need the strength of God because it's in, our, it's in our weakness that he becomes strong. 
all our young folks are coming in to witness baptisms. They're excited to see Grandma and Nana. There's some folks here today that we're going to baptize. They have actually taken the step to say, hey, I'm going to be a strong saint. I might be five, six, seven, eight, however old, but I'm determined. I'm not going to falter. I'm not going to fade. I'm not going to fizz. In fact, we were praying in, in the office beforehand that we were praying, especially these, these little ones who are getting baptized, and they're just coming into the faith. That, that as they get older and down the road, that they wouldn't look back and be like, you know, I need to get baptized again because I, maybe I didn't understand it or I wasn't ready or I hadn't really lived for the Lord. We're praying that God would have a saving and a keeping grace in their life, a keeping grace, that, that our young people won't have to try to go out in this world and sow their wild oats and get that out of their system. No, we declare and we break the power of that deception, of that lie, that once God saves them, God fills them, God will keep them, and they will stay on track, and they will stay with what God has for them in the midst of a tough time in life. Amen. When I invite us to stand, they're going to go through this song called, I Am Not Alone. And as soon as we go through this, then we're going we're gonna to prepare to baptize. But I don't want to rush through these, these next two minutes. I, I, want, I want us to come to this song as a prayer. I want us to come to this song as a prayer. That any time you and I have ever felt weak, any time you and I have ever felt like quitting, any time you or I have felt like walking away, because truth be told, if we had our hands raised, most would raise them for that. So anytime God wants to remind us today that we can make it, that you and I, we can be strong in tough times. You and I can overcome. You and I can be all that God has called us to be. Your marriages can be full of love and full of bliss and full of goodness. Your homes and your families can be filled with the goodness and the happiness and the joy and the righteousness of God. Why settle for anything less than any of that? But we got to press through. We got to push through. That means we got to be strong when the times get tough. Come on, let's bow our heads. I'm going to pray and then we're going to they're going to lead us through this song. And as we sing this song, let that be a prayer of your heart. That we are not alone. God is with us. God is for us. And if he is, he, if he is for us, then who can be against us? So, Lord, right now, we acknowledge that your presence is here. We acknowledge, God, that your kingdom is here within us. And, Lord, we know that you always finish the good work you start. Some of us here today feel unfinished. Some of us feel ill-equipped, ill-prepared, not quite where we think or we probably hoped we should be. But nonetheless, we're right where we are today, and you can take that, and you can start all again and carry on with where we left off. So Holy Spirit, come. Fill us with hope. Fill our lives with your grace, that supernatural infusion of strength. May we see it, may we feel it, may we know it. I pray in Jesus' name.
mighty name. Amen.